most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon. Joined, as always, by one of the top fantasy rankers in the game, Sean Kerner. And today, we have a very special guest to talk running backs. I'm talking about a senior writer for The Athletic, all-in kid, Jake Steely. Jake, what's going on, man? Thanks for doing this. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. How about uh, the Olin fiance kid, Jake Steely? Like, I'm yes. celebrating the crap out of it. I'm going to hijack the beginning of your show, but thank you so much. Oh, man. Congratulations once again. Newly engaged, Olin kids. I know. I, uh, I love to hear it. Love to hear it. And uh, yeah, man. Good, uh, good vibes. We're going we're gonna to start the pod with that. And uh, exactly. You know, Jake, I want to ask, you know, we're going to kind of talk through all these running backs and the, the running back two tier and beyond. But I just want to ask, like, what's your overall running back approach uh, this year? Are you kind of find yourself going, you know, with any of the, you know, zero RB, hero RB kind of strategies? Is it, is it kind of different by draft slot? What are you doing? Yeah, it, pretty much it's the same as what I've been doing for, I'd say, the majority of my career is whatever you want to call it, like Bell Cow running back, Chris, uh, over at uh, Greta Street Tavern that writes for us, Chris Vaccaro, he kind of said that a couple of years ago. It's kind of turned into Hero RB, whatever people want the fun names for it. But it's essentially been, I want, if I can, two running backs in the first three rounds. And Bell Cow doesn't mean that they have to touch the ball 20 times a game. It means for fantasy purposes, they're Bell Cow, somebody I can trust week in and week out with a four- around double digits and the ceiling to go 20 plus. So that's my goal. That doesn't mean it's always going to happen. I mean, I just did the flex super flex draft and my first pick was Cooper cup. And so, you know, that's, I still got Joe Mixon cause I was so flexes fall, but my strategy out of the four spot was because we know how things can shake up that kind of draft. I, I, I'm not going to behold them to myself to say, screw the value on the board. I'm just going to draft running backs because I got to get my running backs. But I'd like to get two or three out of the first three rounds. And as a teaser for one of your questions later on, there's a reason because it ties into something else that happens later in drafts very often. But I, I do like to get one, if not two, ideally. But yeah, if I'm sitting there, I'll give you an example. If I'm sitting there at nine and only Cooper Cups off the board and Jamar Chase is sitting there, I'm taking him. And if Justin Jefferson's still there on the way back or Stefan Diggs, I'm taking them. Uh, so I, I won't go crazy with it, but I would like to do it. Yeah, and that kind of lines up with, with what Sean and I have been talking about. You know, I think there's a big teardrop in the, you know, from the wide receiver ones down to, you know, maybe after the top 10. So, yeah, you see a Cooper Cup, a Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, guys like that, you know, Devontae, Tyreek. I think it is worth taking one of those guys and you could still get, um, you know, your running backs, you know, in those other two rounds. But I think you really do need those wide receivers earlier a little more than usual this year. But uh, let's get right into it with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, excuse me. With oh, <laughs> uh, I, was, I was about to uh, go off the road. He's still on the board. Holy yeah, shit. right. No, one and four net. Yeah, I just had a so I just had uh, two best ball drafts back to back. And I got Jonathan Taylor in both of them. 
And in one of them, I got Jonathan Taylor with the one point two. So my mind is just <laughs> I did that too. Overtaken. <laughs> JT is on Taylor. the mind. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> but uh, excuse me with that. Uh, Leonard Fournette. We started talking about him yesterday, but uh, I want to jump back in. Uh, Jake, I'll ask you this. Uh, are you worried about the, the the chatter about the weight? Are you worried about the chatter about Rashad White? So no and no. So if you're drafting Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette last year, I mean, he's top 10 running back, not even with 200 carries. He was on pace for two teens. And I think that's what he is. Leonard Fournette's touchdown reliant. He's t- playing with Tom Brady. We're not looking for him to go out there to go back to the bell cow situation. We're not looking for him to go out there and carry the ball 20 times a game. That's not what Leonard Fournette is, especially at this point of his career, especially with how much he's been hurt throughout his career. I think the passing game is a little bit. So I said, Flat no probably isn't the best for a shot white. You know, I think it's more of not enough that I'm going to knock him out of being a top end RB2. Do I put him in RB1 territory where he finished? No, I don't think anybody's doing that. But anybody's doing that because we know his value is lying more in the touchdowns and that we all do expect him to see a little t- tick back in the passing game with Rashad White. Rashad White's value is just great because if anything were to happen to Leonard Fournette, hey, you're the lead running back stepping in alongside Tom Brady. So I'm not that concerned. I would be concerned if people were drafting Leonard Fournette as a top 10 running back. But again, nobody's doing that. That's why he's at 13. Yeah. And, you know, I, I look at this roster for Tampa Bay and I'm like, you know, Rashad White is there. Sure. He can he can catch the ball, but I, I still think he'll struggle a little bit in pass protection. Uh, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, Gio Bernard. I mean, it's really not that inspiring. I think more, I think Fournette actually could be a workhorse. It's just that they threw the ball 719 times last year. So like they didn't exactly need it, but I don't think Leonard Fournette is like, you know, a, a guy who, if they need him to handle, you know, 20, 25 carries over, you know, a, a, a longer stretch that he couldn't do that. So um, I, I like me some Leonard Fournette. Anything to add on that, uh, Sean, with, uh, with Lenny? No, I, I like where he's going at RB 13. I think the, you know, the weight gain maybe bumped down his ADP a bit, which was nice. I would say the only slide I would call a slight concern with Fournette is the offensive line. You know, Ali Marpet retired. Ryan Jensen looks like he's out potentially for the full season. They look like the backup uh, center got carted off today. It was just cramps, so mm-hmm. he should be fine. But they're one or two injuries away of this offensive line potentially falling apart. Um, and again, I'm still drafting Fournette here, but that's that's my only concern with him as the offensive line will take a step back this year potentially. Yeah, I mean, you know that that that's a fair concern. I, I do think you know just with the Bucks, you know, having Tom Brady and all that firepower, uh, it's going to be tough for defenses to really you know stack the box or do anything like that. So uh, yeah. I think they'll find a way to kind of keep it open enough for for Fournette to get his. Uh, let's go to Saquon Barkley. Uh, Jake, you know, last year, I, I know Sean and I were pretty adamant about uh, fading Saquon. Now he's, you know, it's a little bit more reasonable investment, I think. He's at RB14. The O-line should be better. Um, you know, you got, you got some better situation regarding the coaching staff. So what do you think his ceiling is in this new offense? And is his floor still as low as it was the last couple of years where he would have games beyond just the injury. He would have games where he would run like 15 times for five yards. <laughs> it wasn't quite that bad, but yeah, it they, was. I understand. He had a 13 for one. I am not <laughs> making that up. <laughs> no, no, no. I, yeah, th- th- there are some pretty, like, I think this year, 
I, it, I find a couple things. A couple things interesting here is that everybody's like, oh, Brian Dable could potentially help Daniel Jones to fix this offense. And they're just like, oh, Saquon Barkley, he's been hurt too much. And he's, this offense is going to stink. And they praise what Dable can do for the entire offense. If it's the entire offense, it's going to help Saquon Barkley. The interesting thing here is, too, we all know, everybody knows the offensive line is better. We see Evan Neal and we're like, oh, freak talent. The thing about Evan Neal is that part of the reason you draft and get sent straight to the right tackle spot and not the left, like there wasn't even an open competition. They're like, you're headed the right tackle. It's because he's better at run blocking. He's working on his pass blocking. There was actually some matchups with Thibodeau already in practice where you say, ooh, he's but that being said, better run blocking offensive line is only going to help him. Being 100% is only going to help him. I've had him inside my top 10 this entire offseason because I looked at last year too. And you guys remember this. We were drafting this time last year saying if you're drafting Saquon, you're drafting him for the end of September, October. He's not going to be 100% until then. Every doctor out there said that. And then we get to weeks three and four, almost 100 yards, over 100 yards combined, touchdowns in both. And everybody's like, oh my God, Saquon's back. It's happening. And then the freak injury where he rolls up his ankle, comes back, and he's never like he was before that. So it's a freak injury. It's not the quad. It's not the hamstrings. not over and over and over and over again. If he's 100%, if the offensive line is supposed to be better and Dable can do anything for this offense, I think the ceiling is what we just saw last year. Austin Eckler, he's not going to run for 100 yards, but he's going to total 100 yards a lot of the weeks, even on a poorer offense. I think ceiling is what Austin Eckler just finished last year? Number two. I think that's a ceiling. Do I put him there? Do I think he's going to get there? No, I have him at eight. That's where I've had him the entire offseason. But I think that at this point, this is why I have so much Saquon this year. Yeah, you know, this is I think this is the time to kind of hop back on the Saquon train and you make a really yep. good point. You know, everyone's talking about, oh, you know, we're trying to figure out Darius Tony and, and Wandale Robinson and his Ken Galladay. <laughs> yeah. got it. And should we be drafting Daniel Jones late? And it's like, how about just take the guy who's going to get like 20 touches? <laughs> the good game? Because they have to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they have to. So, Sean, what, what do you think about the, the range of outcomes for Saquon this year? Yeah, I think he still has top five upside um, if he could stay healthy. And I think we wisely faded him last year because he was already entering the season uh, with an injury. So, you know, he looks good right now. All reports sound like he's 100%. So I think we're getting a steal with him at RB14. And he's actually, and I mean, he has no competition for touches there whatsoever. So he's going to be a workhorse back. Um, and as Jake mentioned, you know, the offensive line should be better. Um, so he's very appealing as ADP and he's, Right at the end of, I would say, the RB1 tier, because uh, then it drops off a cliff after him. Things start to get dicey, or should I say icy, as <laughs> the frozen pond is coming up. So I, I think that, you know, I love getting guys at the end of a tier, and that's Barkley right now. So I love getting him at RB14. Yeah, feels feels good to to finally be able yeah. to take some some Saquon, you know, BX got a got a rep for my <laughs> rep for the hood. But uh let's talk about Zeke because you know, there was a time when, you know, the, the good old days when Zeke was right there with Saquon, uh, you know, neck and neck in, in fantasy. And uh, Jake, I, I want to ask you, you know, do you think uh, some of the struggles, especially last year, uh, were due to injury? And, and do you think Tony Pollard's role will continue to grow at Zeke's expense? Yeah, so I think part of it was, uh, I think Zeke is in very much in the same conversation at this point of his career as Leonard Fournette, uh, James Conner, uh, the guys who are going to be touchdown reliant because, you know, yeah, he looked better earlier in the season. You know, he had the one game with 20 carries, uh, two weeks in a row, 20 carries, but well over four or five yards per carry in both. So he looked more explosive in them. But 
it was an injury or is it wearing down or is it a mix of both? I think it's a lot of questions out there. I think what we know at this point with the workload and age, anybody would be expected to be worn down at this point, no matter how much you or freak you are. And we've seen the practices and he looks explosive again. All that. But when you have somebody like Tony Pollard and you have the NFL copycat lead, we say that every single year we copy ourselves saying it every single year is that when you have somebody like Tony Pollard, the best running back in the history of football, as everybody knows, and wanted to <laughs> see him take over for Zeke last year is that, it's just stupid not to give more to Tony Pollard because here's the truth about the Cowboys. And this is the other part that we have to think about with the giants. They're not contending. They're not keeping Saquon likely just run him into the ground. Not that that's fair to the player, but if the Cowboys have playoff, which they should aspirations, if they have Super Bowl aspirations, do you win a Super Bowl without Zeke? It's questionable. Do you win it with both of them? He and Pollard, that's a good chance that you will. So why not? Copy the blueprint around the NFL. You don't have to go full 50-50 split like Denver, but 60-40 more this year, 65, even 35. And then, yeah, Zeke should be right in this range. He should be in the conversation with Fournette and the like. And he definitely still has the upside for top 10 based on touchdowns. Sean, you know, Jake kind of made the the case for, for Zeke a little bit. You, you you feel like there's a big teardrop, you know, from Saquon. So, so give me your, your take on Zeke. Yeah, just Saquon is going to be a workhorse. Like I said, he has no competition for touches. And Zeke, you know, unfortunately, (laughs) Tony Pollard is probably better at this point in his career, but they're paying Zeke way too much money. We're we're not going to see Pollard leapfrog Zeke and be starting over a healthy Zeke. And I'm willing to forgive Zeke last year. He was playing through a partially torn PCL. That's got to be painful. Um, It absolutely limited him. Um, So as somebody that has a ton of Tony Pollard this year, please, Zeke, rest when you have a torn PCL this time around. But yeah, I think that, you know, in this range, he is a fairly safe play. Like I still think he has a high floor, uh, but his ceiling is definitely capped with Pollard there. So I just, I rather get Pollard, you know, a few rounds later, just because the upside is massive there. And this is a range where I think there's still, um, you know, pretty good wide receivers on the board. I don't like to get caught shorthanded at wide receiver. So this is usually the point in the draft. I'm, I'm trying to get my second or third wide receiver sometimes. So, um, yeah, Zeke, he just sits in, you know, the, on top of a pretty big tier. And I don't like drafting guys like that. Um, but it, it is, you know, this is a discount compared to where we normally get Zeke. I'm just not buying into him this year. Yeah, I, I actually don't mind Zeke. Um, I, I kind of lump him in a little like he's not quite Saquon. You know, I, I agree that right. Saquon is, you know, I think there's more upside at this point. Um, but it was odd because, you know, you, Zeke last year, he ran a route on 60% of the dropback, but he only got targeted uh, 15% of the time, whereas Pollard got targeted you know, 26% of the time. And so Zeke ends up with uh, a career low in receiving yards per game. But, you know, the Cowboys now, they, they're having all these wide receiver injuries. Uh, you know, if Zeke's out there and he's healthier, I, I think his efficiency could rebound. He, he's still, mm-hmm. I think he's still got a year or two left. Um, and you know, the, the touchdown upside still massive. So, uh, you know, it's not as exciting, uh, as maybe it was in his heyday to draft him, but I also don't think it'll be quite as frustrating, uh, as it was these past couple of years either. Like, I, I think he's fine. I think that's a, yeah. a good way to describe it. It's fine. I would prefer him like when he falls outside of the top 20, which has happened in some of my drafts, that's when I absolutely target him, but RB 15 just seems steep to me. RB16 is David Montgomery. And um, 
you know, he's a guy that he's, he tends to be polarizing, but then you look up at the end of the season and he, he always seems risky. And then he's just kind of there <laughs> and he, he has great numbers, uh, even on some, some, some shaky teams. So Jake, uh, what are you doing with Montgomery this year? How risky is he, you know, probably a bottom five offensive line in Chicago, you know, different regime, but you know, Khalil Herbert, maybe uh, mixing in a little more, uh, but I mean, the Bears don't have any pass catchers and Montgomery has shown some ability there. So, you know, perhaps he could offset some of some of those other issues with the with passing game work. Yeah, I'm kind of out on Montgomery at this spot. I think that we've seen some drafts similar to what Sean was just saying. It's like other drafts where he'll fall further just because mm-hmm. depending on who you're drafting with and the perception of being there is. So I there's twofold here is one is well, actually, it's three is one is you're talking about an offense similar to the Ravens where you're led by a rushing quarterback. So you're going to have that factor of that percentage just comes out of the backfield. So you got to take that away. So what usually happens in those kind of backfields, your lead running back 200, 220 carries, and you can finish as an RB1, but it's going to be touchdown reliant. I mean, hell, Mark Ingram did it a bunch of years ago, only on 200 carries. Actually, it was like 199 or somewhere around there. But the reason we like Dobbins is because he, we're hoping for the touchdown of the offense. You mentioned bottom five offensive line, what we all expect to be a bottom five offense and then the second part that comes into play here for me is I like Cleo Herbert. I'm a clear Herbert guy. I think at times last year, you even saw that not one only he can carry the workload if he's asked to is two. I think he's potentially a better running back. I mean, we saw Montgomery Montgomery for two to three years. Can't even get over four yards per carry, which isn't a telltale complete story. We all know that, but it does paint a little bit of a picture. And when you watch Montgomery play, he's a nice all around running back. I just don't think he's much better than replacement level. And I'm not saying that Herbert's definitively better, but if you're going to see both of them out there, and we've already heard reports that they're both on the field at the same time, one of them is lining up on the line of scrimmage or running a route, like whatever it might be. Even if you get a 60-40 split of a 60-40 split of a backfield that you're losing 20-25% already to Justin Fields, I just don't think the touchdown reliance is going to be there. The passing game you're right about, but I think Herbert could do that too. And you saw Fields, even with Montgomery, it's very inconsistent. Seven targets one week, two targets the next. So it's kind of like all over the map. So I'd rather have Montgomery as an RB3. John, how you feeling about Montgomery this year? Um, not great. Uh, and I love this is our fourth annual David Montgomery check-in. Uh, if this always turns into the <laughs> yeah. Dave Montgomery pod. Yeah. But um, he definitely gives me some frozen pond vibes because, as Jake mentioned, you know, uh, the the new offensive coordinator, Lugetsky, he's coming over from Green Bay. So I, I do expect more of an even timeshare this year um, between Monty and Khalil Herbert. Um, and apparently Monty's seeing some special team reps, which is very bizarre and not good news mm-hmm. for his, you know, bell cow prospects. Um, so this is, again, same thing with Zeke. I don't, I don't mind either back if they fall outside of the top 20, but anytime you're drafting, Whoever it is at RB15 or RB16, you're probably reaching for them because there's six or seven guys that I value equally. Um, so, again, this is the range where I like to just wait at running back. And I don't mind Monty if he falls outside of the top 20 because he does have work, workhorse upside, but it is limited. I mean, the offensive line is brutal. Um, so th- this is a situation where um, I- I'm rarely taking Montgomery if you know he's still on the board inside the top 20. Yeah, I think it's, you know, there are definitely some some floor concerns with, mm-hmm. you know, the offensive line, the potential lack of, of touchdown equity uh, in what could be a, a really bad offense uh, and just the new regime in general. I mean, I think that's also a, could be a knock on Herbert as well. I mean, they might just start playing. What's his name? Tristan Ebner. Uh, for all we know, you know, <laughs> yeah. so, um, you know, there, there are just some concerns. And I look at 
you know, some of the receivers going around there. I mean, you can still get a, a Deontay Johnson, Jalen Waddle, Terry McLaurin's on the board mm-hmm. a lot of the time. So uh, Kyle Pitts is is actually sometimes still there as well. So uh, Pittman, there's just I, I think it's just not the the strength of the draft here. You know, yep. just to to be taking running backs here because you know, Sean, as as you and I talked about uh, on the last pod, uh, a lot of the the running backs in that next probably two tiers that, that we're going to get to. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's as much difference. You know, there, there's, there's a yeah. wide range of outcomes with all of them. There's a lot of, there's, they all have low floors. So um, yeah, Montgomery is not a guy I'm getting too much of. Uh, I yeah. do think, I do think he'll still catch a lot of passes though. I will say that even mm-hmm. with the, the mobile quarterback, I just think Chicago needs, needs somebody to, to catch the football. Uh, okay. Cam Akers, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he had a quite an interesting, you know, <laughs> 18 months or whatever you want to call it. I mean, just burst on the scene at the end of 2020 uh, and then, you know, gets hurt, you know, with the Achilles injury comes back uh, way too soon and has just a abysmally inefficient postseason. But uh, Jake, I'll ask you is, you know, was that just an aberration due to coming back too soon? Uh, we've also heard whispers about uh, not whispers. I mean, the coach himself, Sean McVay <laughs> said, Hey, uh, you know, Daryl Henderson is going to be more involved this year. Uh, so what do you make of Cam Akers going here at RB17? So since after the Super Bowl, uh, when my way too early rankings, this is now, so that's what, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, so it's like six months of this. So anybody out there that's seen me on my shows are like, you're going to get, you already know where I'm going with this. So I apologize. Maybe skip ahead and listen to Sean instead. But I'm going to say what I always say is like, watch and listen to what teams tell us. Not Sean McVay. Coaches lie all the time. Sean McVay is lying out of the side of his mouth. Sean McVay, one, likes to rely on one guy when he can. Two, and that's been proven. Two, what I'm going with here, and again, this could be wrong because doctors know more than we do, but what we know and saw is the team told us coming off a six months, which nobody ever does, Achilles injury, with the playoffs when he faced really good teams, actually including the 49ers on the defensive side, with the Super Bowl on the line, Sean McVay and the Rams said, we're going to make you a bell cow. We have Henderson. We had Sony Michelle playing like we have options and we're still going to give you the bell cow workload with the playoffs and Super Bowl on the line. That tells me what the team thinks and what the team wants to do. So I'm going with Cam Akers now a hell of a lot far removed, a full on year removed from this injury was getting bell cow treatment six months when you're not supposed to come back from this injury. Tells me Cam Akers is going to be a bell cow and one of the most positive game script offensive powerhouses in the NFL. I have Cam Akers as a rock solid RB one. I could be going down with his ship or I could be going down with his Achilles because maybe he's never hundred percent again, but I'm going with what the team told us and not what McVeigh is lying to us right now in preseason. Don thoughts. Cam Akers at 17 uh, is a fair price. I- I'm not worried about Henderson much at all. Um, as Jake mentioned, you know, McVeigh does like just relying on one back. Um, and Sony Michelle was able to leapfrog Henderson last year, partly because Henderson was in and out of the lineup and McVeigh was like, I, I just want to know who's the running back. So he just started <laughs> using Sony Michelle. And then he let a less than 100% totally ineffective Akers uh, be the workhorse over Henderson. So with Akers being more of a normal amount removed from the Achilles, like last season was a miracle that he came back. So I'm willing to forgive him last year. I think Akers is going to dominate touches in this offense. And, you know, they they threw the ball at the league high rate of 64% inside the five last year. I'm expecting some regression there. So Akers is, you know, a decent bet for double-digit touchdowns. Like, he's going to get 
plenty of goal line chances. So I, I, I like Acres, you know, just in terms of volume and touch on upside uh, to target him in this range. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not buying Acres as as much as you guys. I think I think they're just like a lot of these other backs. They're just enough concerns to where I'd still rather probably target a wide receiver or a tight end mm-hmm. in this range. I mean, I, I don't think it's fair to say Sean McVay always wants to go to number one guy. I think Daryl Henderson, who who we'll talk about later, but I think he's a guy that it's just you you know you're not going to be able to give him you know 20 carries for 17 right. games, but like. I think McVay also, you know, when when Todd Gurley started breaking down, he he, he kept with C.J. Anderson even, you know, throughout the Super Bowl. And uh, he might be scarred by, you know, what happened with Akers, even though they got away with it. So, I, you know, I, I, I don't know that he, he's just going to be like a 90 percent, you know, touch guy in this backfield uh, going forward. I, I do think, though, that the Rams will run more this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're already dealing with some, you know, just injuries at wide receiver guys, you know, not coming back. Stafford's going to have the elbow pain. So I, I do think that from that standpoint, uh, there should be enough volume. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not a guy that uh, I'm like, okay, I'm all the way out on, but I, I do like the guy next a little more. And that's James Connor at RB 18. Um, you know, Jake, I don't know, to me, it, it just feels low um, considering, you know, he's kind of, in a similar boat to, to two acres in a way, you know, it should be a good offense. Um, you know, and, and Connor, I mean, last year, if you watch this dude play, like it wasn't just, okay. Like he's scoring touchdowns. Like he at, at times looked like one of the best backs in football. And uh, so, so I kind of put Connor in that, like Leonard Fournette kind of tier where I, I just think people are too low on him. I know he's probably never going to be that, you know, 20, touch workhorse at this stage, you know, to, to preserve them. But I really like his situation. I just really like the way he played. Uh, but what say you? Yeah. Uh, so this is coming from somebody that loves James Conner uh, throughout his career. So I, I think this is a fair spot for him. Um, would take acres 10 times out of 10 over him, mostly because for me, there was two things. It's like James Conner was a little bit more effective and that's just pure running game, but a little bit more effective once Hopkins was gone, not just from target standpoint, those definitely targets. You saw more of it. But the interesting thing is like how this offense shifted with no Hopkins is that you watch it. Kyler Murray ran more effectively and all his rushing touchdowns came when Hopkins was in the lineup, which is also when James Conner struggled a little bit more. But granted, he was getting his own rushing touchdowns, but his effectiveness actually went up a bit when there was no DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know if that was because more of a threat in the passing game or more of a balance. It's kind of hard to pinpoint because you watch games and as you said, at times he looks great, even when Hopkins was in there and was not in there. So it's hard to pinpoint Connor. And what I do know at this point, when I brought him up with Leonard Fournette and Zeke Elliott, what I will say we know about Connor is he's touchdown reliant. His touches aren't going to be 300. He's had a injury history. He has never played a full season. So I think this is a fair spot. Could he repeat and far succeed this spot? Absolutely. Is this a nice spot for me in the fact that you're baking in some of that risk and what happens when Hopkins does come back? Uh, what does this offense look like again now with Marquise Brown? I think that's fair, and that's why I like him at this spot. So it's very rare that I'm like, oh, like I'm okay with this spot. But like James Conner at RB18, although I will say I would take him in front of David Montgomery. Yeah, yeah. Like mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where I was getting at. You know, some of these, I mean – if we're going to take one of these guys, cause they're all in a, you know, again, they all have risks, but like, mm-hmm. if we're going to take one of these guys, 
Give me the guy going later who I think could outperform some of the other guys or at least has, you know, the same kind of chance. But uh, what do you think about Connor, Sean? Yeah, I think he's my favorite back from this tier. Um, and, you know, five games without Chase Edmonds last year, he averaged 21 half PPR points, which is more than Jonathan Taylor's full season average. So, um, you know, and like you said, Rayvon, like he passed the eye test. He looked amazing last year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he looked like a brand new running back. Um, and part of the reason why he was such a workhorse is they had literally no depth um, outside of Edmonds and Connor. But this year they did beef up the backfield a little bit. You know, they added Darrell Williams. They drafted Keontae Ingram, who I think is sneaky. Um, so they, along with, you know, Benjamin will probably fill in the Chase Edmonds role a bit, which does hurt James Connor's ceiling uh, from what we saw last year. But he's not going to score 18 touchdowns this year. I'm aware of that, but he's still going to be their goal line back. The offense is still going to be putting up points. So I think he, we could bank on him possibly, you know, breaking double-digit touchdowns again this year. Um, so, yeah, in this range, um, when all these guys we can poke holes in, I think Connor has the least, other than just his injury history, and he might not play every game. But at least when he's in there, we know he's going to put up, you know, solid RB2 numbers. Yeah, and I mean, I I don't know if it, it really hurts the ceiling in the sense that, like, it probably preserves him. <laughs> you know, like, he needs that. Like, yeah, yeah. he needs those games where he can – touch the ball like 15 times, but score two touchdowns. And right. then there, there will always be, you know, those four or five games where they just have to give him 20 carries and he could do it. Uh, but, you know, I, I really like what I saw. Uh, you know, I know that at times it wasn't always efficient. You know, 3.7 yards per carry was actually a career low, uh, but 10.1 yards per catch was a career high. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, he passed the eye test. Good offense. Hopkins is going to be out six games anyway. Edmonds isn't there. Um, you know, it, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take Connor all day. I, I really love him. So I have him ranked significantly higher uh, than his RB 18 spot. I have him in the, in the low teens. So uh, love me some James Connor uh, this year where he's going. Uh, okay. Jay, things are starting to get dicey <laughs> after Connor, like for real, for real, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you feel like this is kind of the start? Uh, of a of a frozen pond here or do you think drafters should be targeting you know these running backs in that you know rb 20 to 30 range so the funny thing is here i'll say michael florio a good friend that i used to do shows and stuff with uh, over at nfl network he tweeted out something about the frozen pond like this range mentioned gibson some of these running backs we're going to talk about and he said, like, oh, so, you know, you might be able to take a few more darts it's a little bit deeper this year. Mm-hmm. I said, for me, like I, like, I wasn't coming at Florida, but like, and not even for you either. It's just a difference of opinions. There's a lot of running backs in this range that I would start the frozen pond after. Like for me, Gibson, Jacobs, Mitchell, uh, Dobbins, now that we have the news. And then that might be about it. I would throw, because I think like four of those five were in his tweet. Those would come, and then I would start the frozen pond with like Damian Harris, who I do like, but deserves to be in that conversation. Miles Sanders deserves to be all those. So I, there's about four or five that I would say before you got to that this year. And people are going to differ out there because that's why we're doing shows like this. People have different opinions, but there's a lot of those running backs that I would consider as rock solid RB twos for me. And I know that I'm on a ledge with a little bit more of them than other people are. But yeah, so. I think we're getting into frozen pond range, but I think it is a little bit further back than it was last year. Make the case actually for some of those guys. Cause I, I know okay. that let's start with uh, you mentioned Jacobs. I want to talk about him because I, I, yeah. I know some people were nervous. They saw him, you know, out there with in, in the preseason <laughs> game and they also saw how good Zamir white looked. 
So and he's right. obviously Kenyon Drake there. So let's start with Jacobs. Just make the case uh, for Josh Jacobs uh, in 2022. So and I know he was a rookie, but like Najee Harris played a ton in the Hall of Football Hall, Hall of Fame game last year. So like before it's too much like, oh, what the talk might be. We're talking a new offensive coordinator. Drake was hurt. I'm not saying to not have any concern. Uh, this is something I'll say similar to, and I know this is actual game versus beat reporters, but I say this every single year. When you see a beat reporter say, ooh, blank had a good practice today, and that's the only person reporting it, whether he or she <laughs> is the one like, wait, just put put a pin in it. Like, remember in the back of your head that somebody said that, but don't react until four, five, six beat reporters start saying the same thing because just like why I said that about this conversation is I might like Jake was more than 20 other experts, but do you want to believe me or the 19 that might be right? So that's why I say put that away. So the Jacobs, there's a lot of factors going on in the game. And the reason I bring that up is to say, well, week two rolls out of the preseason, week three rolls out of the preseason. And now it's more of a committee. He's working with the second team while it's still out there. All right. Now let's take a little bit of a note, but Jacobs, I will say on the positive side, look good. One, two was actually being used in the passing game. Like for the, how many times have we said that? But I think Jacobs is their best back. I'm, I think Zamir White's a fine complimentary piece. I think Kenyon Drake at this point is a complimentary piece. I think he's part of the Gruden bring-in regime. I think Jacobs is looking at still 55, 60%. And if what we expect this offense to be what it was last year, I think Jacobs deserves to be a solid RB2. But that's why he's RB20 and he's not RB12. Just given the offense that he's in, it does seem kind of interesting that like he's going, you know, well after David Montgomery. I mean, if you're just talking, right. cause like you're kind of, this is, it, there's a lot of early down backs in this deal. Like, let's be honest. And you're kind of looking for touchdowns. Like I would say I, I have right. Jacobs ranked the highest in standard, then a little less high in, in half PBR and the lowest in PBR. Cause I think you have, uh, you know, Adams, Renfro, Waller. So yes, Jacobs was using the passing game last year when, when guys were hurt and no Adams was there, but I don't think they need to use him in the past game this year. So I do think right. that will come down. And, and but um, I, I don't think I'm like super worried about him yet. I, I think at the end of the day, that's what this tier is. It's guys who are going to plan early downs. That's never going to be, uh, you know, 80 percent. That's going to be, like you said, 50, 60. Um, so, you know, that, that that's that's a good point on Jacobs. Um, Sean, how you feeling about Jacobs and just uh, some of the other backs in this, mm-hmm. you know, early downs here? Gibson's another one um, I, I kind of want your yeah. opinion on. Yeah, so all these guys I would consider sort of the frozen pond here. Plus, I'm targeting, we're going to talk about these backs a little bit later, but I'm targeting three specific backs in this range. So I'm not getting much exposure on these guys. But I will say this frozen pond is a lot better than last year. Remember, yeah. it was like Mike Davis, Miles Gaskin, and like I think Raheem <laughs> Mozart was here. So this tier, this frozen pond here is actually legit. All these guys have you know low end rb1 upside i'm not denying that but every single one of these guys just has just floor concerns where antonio gibson you know he's going to be sandwiched between jd mckissick and brian robinson who will be getting the high value targets you know the receptions and goal line work potentially so that's very scary for gibson uh josh jacobs again we're kind of concerned of a potential three-way committee with zimmer white and kenny drake that's you know that's an issue with me Elijah Mitchell, he begins the season as the 49ers starting running back, which has been the biggest trap in fantasy football each of the past <laughs> four seasons. I think he might be the guy that breaks that trend. He looked really good last year. I don't know why they wouldn't use him as a workhorse back this year, but, you know, fool me once, 
shame on me kind of thing. So he's definitely frozen pond just because of Kyle Shanahan. J.K. Dobbins is, you know, he's going to be easy in to begin the season, and he's already limited um, in the receiving game, which limits his upside. Uh, and Damian Harris, he could get leapfrogged by Ramondre Stevenson at any point. And Rashad Penny could be splitting with, work with Kenneth Walker. So there's floor concern with all these guys. And in this range, you know, I'm telling you, I'm I'm targeting three other backs instead. Yeah, I you know, I, I want to spend some time on this range because, I mean, this is the range where I think people could – just make mistakes, you know, it, yeah. it's, it is kind of landmines, even if you do like some <laughs> of them. I, I will say this, you know, I, I did, you know, earlier in the offseason, I think Gibson was still in like that, you know, the early teens and he's been dropping. Um, but I think there's a misconception and I, I've stated this going back to AJ Dillon's rookie year. It's like when they get it, uh, uh, when they, when a team drafts a rookie back for short yardage, Everyone just assumes that short yardage is going to include goal line, but <laughs> it can just include short yardage. Like, remember, the, the Washington at one point had like Peyton Barber for short yardage. That didn't mean he got every goal line carry. It's like you give your best back the ball at the goal line. Like, you, Aaron Jones would still get <laughs> right. it. I think he's like put up like 15 touchdowns that year and everyone wrote him off. Like, oh, AJ Dillon's going to steal a touchdown. So, like, I don't think Antonio Gibson is just going to miraculously be pulled at the goal line for a rookie. Uh, when he's been Washington's, you know, second best offensive player, uh, you know, since he was drafted. So uh, that I'm not concerned with. I am concerned with yeah. Carson Wentz, who uh, may not be able to bring the offense down the field. He's, are, he's already having issues. Like, the, like, if you read training camp reports about Carson Wentz, like he's already in the stock down section, which just worries <laughs> me. So that would be my concern. But like, uh, it's not like a you know, if Gibson starts dropping, I've seen him drop to like RB 25, 26, mm-hmm. like a whole yeah. round. Yeah. I'm fine, I'm fine with him. Like I'm fine with yeah, him. I'll take him at value, but I'm fine. Yeah. And to I be fair, sh- I think, I, sorry, I, I think Gibson could absolutely be a workhorse back. I would use him as a going back and a pass catching back. Um, and I take your point with the, you don't really have a concern about goal line touches, you know, Brian Robinson, potentially similar way, you know, who we have no concern about goal line touches. The guy going right before him, James Conner. So I'm just yeah. saying the, the fact that we're even <laughs> able to have a discussion is all I'm saying. Yeah. Whereas James Conner, there's no discussion there. So that's why I'm just being a little bit cautious. Like you said, RB19, a little bit rich, but outside of the top 25, sometimes he falls there. Absolutely. Yeah, the 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 go real quick. I just want to get out of the way. The Dobbins one, I agree with you, Sean. It could be like kind of the Barkley last year, but we're at least mm-hmm. we're getting him at a discount versus Barkley last year, where you might have to wait to October to get him 100. percent The two that we're touching on, Gibson and Mitchell, that I wanted to come back with. Yeah, I'm a, Gibson. I've had in this range the entire time because I made the argument, as you just said, uh, is the fact that is this really an upgrade when it comes to Carson Wentz? Like the only and I broke it down and I went through and I'm looking at all the games and it's like Heineke versus Wentz. The only difference was really touchdown to interception ratio. Everything else, you're looking at a very similar quarterback. And so when you talk about the offense, yeah, that's a valid thing to throw out there. The Antonio Gibson thing, uh, tweeted this yesterday too, and it said that even before they lost McKissick, so if you just go with the games where McKissick was out there, Gibson was still RB 15 to 20, depending on your scoring format, in that range, both overall and in points per game. He's still going to get that work. The only concern that you mentioned, Raybon, is the fact that, like, you know, they're talking about the short yards. Like, if Gibson continues to fumble, if he continues to fumble and he's fumbling at the goal line and then they lose, like, but you would need three, four weeks of that. And that, again, that's a possibility. That's why he's down here. But it's not going to happen week one. Like, he's not going to fumble once and they're going to, boom, yank him off and you're never going to see him again. It's going to Brian Robinson show. And how many times have we done, you just mentioned the A.J. Dillon, 
let's just even say Brian Robinson is no guarantee to succeed in the NFL. I love rookies as much as anybody, but let's chill out before we just hand the job off to Brian Robinson that like he's already showed out great and we have seen him do great. We still don't know. The Elijah Mitchell thing, I rattled this off to Ratcliffe when he was on my show. I said, tell me whose game log this is for carries. 19, 17, 9, <laughs> where he got banged up. 18, 18, 8 in a miserable game against Arizona. 27, 27, 22, 21, 21, 27. Those 20s were with Debo being Debo, by the way, where he was starting to run five, six, seven times a game. I know we've gotten Shanahan in the past, but this time last year, as you mentioned, Sean, everybody wanted Raheem Mostert. He got hurt. Everybody wanted James, Jeff Wilson the years before that. A lot of Shanahan's turnover has been injury related. I am fully in on Elijah Mitchell, but let's remember they don't want to use the specific roles. He's not used in the passing game, even though he can catch the ball. He's basically discount Derrick Henry. Elijah Mitchell. I mean, I struggle with him a little bit because I, I honestly do think RB21 is a little too high. And the reason is, I, I do agree with what you, what you said about, like, you know, the carries were there, the game logs were amazing, and he looked good. Like, he's another guy that passed the yeah. eye test. But as I read these beat reports, uh, and like you said, you know, multiple beat reports, how Shanahan's been quoted as essentially saying, I am worried about Mitchell's health. I am worried about his ability to handle a full workload over the course of a 17 game season. That is why we drafted Ty Davis price. That is why we have this, you know, deep running back room. And really, I mean, Shanahan kind of fell into it with, with Mitchell last year. I mean, I think it was like the first or second week of the season, every running back on the depth chart got hurt, even Trenton cannon. And they had to like put Mitchell back in the game after he got hurt. And you know, he's, he just ran away with the job, but <laughs> I well, do. except for Trey Sermon, who they <laughs> traded up to get and took in the third round. Uh, and that's why they took him last year. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what all I'm saying is I do think that Mitchell will be managed. Now, does that mean he doesn't get go on work? I don't think so, because I still think at the end of the day, he's their best back. He's I think he's still going to be in in the leverage situations. But would I be surprised if he if they try to scale back his workload? No, because I, I do. I do think that Shanahan had a point. I mean, Mitchell was in and out of the lineup himself, and, and I'm sure Shanahan is just scarred from year after year. Like, all his running backs are getting hurt. And Mitchell's probably been the best one. So I do think they'll kind of conserve him a little bit. Um, you know, so that, you know, there are like a wider range of outcomes this year than last year where you could just pencil him in for 17 to 20 carries. Um, so, you know, that's, I think RB21 a little bit, a little bit steep. Um, Dobbins, you know, I've been vocally down on him uh, the majority of the offseason. Now he's, you know, off the putt list. He's back practicing. Uh, I did read a report that said he was laboring uh, and it was a struggle. That's first always time good. Back, but like, no, but I mean, <laughs> they're also like, ah, oh, you know, that's kind of expected. But like, it doesn't make me feel great when I'm taking a, a one-dimensional guy. Because like, I mean, listen, we saw what happened. I know different injury, but we saw what happened with Cam Akers last year, right? You know, it's like, oh, wow, he's amazing. He's young. He's fre He's coming back off this injury that, you know, 10 years ago, nobody would have dreamed of. But then it was just like, eh, maybe he should have just stayed out. Like, <laughs> I need to monitor J.K. Dobbins very closely and like see visual proof over and over. And I don't know if we'll get that because I don't I don't think they'll play him in the preseason. Oh, I mean, yeah, they're not going to. Yeah, they're not going to. So it's like we're going to I mean, every can't like the camps are, you know, that we still get footage, but like I have to really see something with Dobbins to justify this because 
I mean, the Ravens still, you know, they still have a bunch of backs on the roster. You know, Edwards will still be back at some point. And even when Dobbins, you know, took off his rookie year, he was still getting about 13 carries per game and Edwards is getting about nine. So, like, it's always, I think, going to be a committee. Um, I, I can't really justify his draft spot, even if he is, you know, back to kind of what he is. I, I just think there's, there's a better way to kind of go about your draft, especially in, in half PBR, or full PBR, than going Dobbins at this spot where you could be, yeah, I think kind of shoring up your, your receiving core and, and just wait a little longer and still get um, some, some good values at, at running back. So um, th- th- those four guys, I think, though, th- those are going to be very polarizing. Gibson, Jacobs, Mitchell, Dobbins. I mean, Harris is we kind of know what it is. It's like, you know, they're, New England's going to mix in Stevenson. They're not going to. New England is just going to do whatever works. You know, they might have a different guy for a different week just based on some intricate detail that we don't know about. Right. Um and uh, and then Penny, I mean, he's he's missed twenty seven out of sixty five career games. I mean, I, I I think that's more worrisome than even I, I think they drafted Kenneth Walker because they know that. And so it's like, how much Penny do you get? You know, that, that's that's more the issue with with him. Um, but uh, Jake, let's jump into you know two other guys in this tier as well. But I kind of grouped them together uh, because I feel like there's this potential for them to be like post hype sleepers or <laughs> just terrible busts. <laughs> number one is Clyde Edwards Elaire going at RB27. And number two is Miles Sanders going right after at RB28. Thoughts on th- both of those guys? Yeah, I have zero share so far. <laughs> both of them, interestingly. Okay. I think the Edwards Elaire, uh, this is a, a couple factors at play here, but I think the biggest one is everybody's trying to hope and chase what is the Chiefs' offense. That's why you see Isaiah Pacheco get news and all of a sudden his ADP skyrockets in two days. And then before that, it was Ronald Jones because Ronald Jones might be the lead and Edwards Alaire might be the change of pace. And that's, oh, they brought back Jarek McKinnon. Like at this point, we might be headed to the Chiefs version of the Patriots, where it's all four that we had a report yesterday. All four might be active and on the roster. So uh, I would just look at it more so of what happened. I did the draft this past weekend. I don't want Ronald Jones, but in the 14th round, I'm just going to take the cheapest one. If Pacheco goes in the 12th and Jones goes in the 14th, I'll take the cheapest one. If Jones still goes in the 10th and Pacheco falls all the way down, or maybe Edwards Alaire ends up going cheap. I, he's probably never going to be the cheapest, but if he gets down to round nine or 10, I'm going to say, I'll say I'll take the best discount here because you're basically rolling the dice of one of three, potentially one of four, and you still might not get great value. So I want cheap discount here. Miles Sanders has more to do with, and I'm not going to go too much into him because I see Sean has something here. And if anybody wants to see my article of my top five breakouts, my fifth breakout to go even deeper was Kenneth Gainwell. So I'll save that for Sean. And if anyone wants to read the article, but part of the reason I'm not in on Miles Sanders is not because I think he can't score touchdowns this year. I He'll score more than zero this year. But I am a fan of Kenneth Gainwell being the breakout in this backfield. So I'm kind of out on both. Go jump right in. Yeah, uh, similar here. Uh, you know, th- they are pretty cheap. They they could end up posting high-end RB2 numbers, but it's just too risky right now. More likely than not, they're going to end up being in very frustrating running back committees. So I'm a fan of just taking their backup. So yeah, like Jake alluded to, uh, I, I rather target Gainwell much later. I um, mean, then with the Chiefs backfield, yeah, I rather just take a flyer on like a Ronald Jones or even the Pacheco uh, home run, you know, flyer <laughs> in the, the, the last round of the draft. But, I, yeah. you know, that he's his ADP is uh, going up quite a bit right now. But I rather just invest in like long shots in those backfields because there is a lot of potential there. 
Um, but yeah, these guys still feel frozen pondy to me. I think I'm a lot more worried about Edwards Elaire. Um, I know the offense is sexy. I, I yes, know I know he looked great <laughs> in, in, in college that final year, but like when you like, let's compare him to Miles, let's just compare him to Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders has averaged at least 5.5 yards per touch every single year of his career. Clyde Edwards Elaire has never averaged more than 5.1, and he dropped from 5.1 to 4.7 uh, last year. You know, I, I just don't, I just worry that Clyde Edwards Elaire is just not as talented as, you know, maybe he looked that final year at LSU. I mean, it just, re- and because like Andy Reid's not an idiot. Like, Andy, if anyone <laughs> can get the most out of a guy, it's right. Andy Reid. And like, it just really, and, and Patrick Mahomes. And it just seems like this is another one of those situations kind of similar to San Francisco, mm-hmm. where you don't want to start with their back. You want to end with their back. So, like, I don't know who, how it's going to kind of, you know, the pieces are going to fall. Jake, to your point, like, you know, the cheapest guy a lot of times is Ronald Jones right now. Um, and, you know, it's an offense that, you know, could, could present some touchdown opportunities, especially without uh, known touchdown scorer Tyreek Hill uh, still on the team. So uh, he could like he could be the goal line back because Edwards Elaire, aside from like that one highlight against Pittsburgh last year, we trucked two guys has really struggled, uh, you know, in the goal line. So and like that's the mm-hmm. difference. Like Sanders, I don't really feel like like he's a bad goal line back. He just got really unlucky last year. But like Sanders has put up like Nick Chubb yard per carry averages like Miles Sanders. When they started running the ball more last year was like looked amazing. So. You know, Sanders, to me, just as much as I hate to say it, because I liked Edwards Hilaire a lot coming out, mm-hmm. I, I just think Sanders passes the eye test more. Um, I think Sanders, I, I just think Sanders is a better play than Edwards Hilaire. Both of them I don't want too much of, but of the two, uh, I, I would, I, I think I would go Sanders over Edwards Hilaire every time at this point. I would, uh, in that case, yeah. All right, so now i i know that uh i know sean's gonna be excited about these oh, yeah. guys but uh <laughs> I, jake I, I, i'll let you start it off and then let sean wax poetic but um what are your thoughts on taking what is essentially the lesser half of a running back by committee that's still going with the adp in the top 32 running backs you have aj Dillon at rb26 you have kareem hunt at rb31 just requested a trade got denied uh and you also have Tony Howard, the the best back in the history of football, <laughs> yes. uh, as you said, going at RB yes. number thirty two. So I actually like this range, especially uh, the, the the cream hunt thing worries me a little bit, but also worries me a little bit for the fact that last year we saw him step in for Nick Chubb and basically just still be cream hunt. And then all of a sudden he goes down. Dearness Johnson got bell cow work. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, is that is that chicken the egg? And like they just had nobody else left. But it's just weird that they didn't use Hunt quite in the full bell cow. So where I really like Dylan and Pollard more than Hunt, not that I dislike Hunt, but just specifically in this range, and I especially like Dylan is because if Aaron Jones goes down, AJ Dylan top ten. If Zeke goes down, Tony Pollard top fifteen, maybe even top ten. Like you're getting guys who, if you go wide receiver heavy draft a tight end early as well. You're getting guys that could be your RB2s, which again, it's not the sexiest RB2, but it's somebody who you can plug in your RB2 when you have a team built this way, who if anything happens, now it's a league winner because you went wide receiver heavy or maybe you went bell cow RB, a hero RB, you have one, and now you have a second to mention with the fact that you have three or four wide receivers. 
So I love these guys, uh, as it sounds like Sean does as well. I'm more in on, like if I had to rank them, it would be Dylan Pollard and Hunt. Uh, but I just, I think these are always great picks every single year. And to be honest, like, I think there are some rookies and you mentioned Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny was further down into the thirties. The offense is killing him. But I think that, you know, if he did what he did last year and Ken Walker gets hurt as a rookie, you can see him have top 15 value too. Although that, again, that offense kind of hurts him a little bit, but yeah, I think these are always smart plays to have. John, I'm throwing you to Ali. By all means. So. These are my three favorite backs to target, and you can check out my running back upside chart where I kind of grade each, you know, backup running back based on their ADP, where I would rank them when the starting running back is, you know, active and where I'd rank them with the starter out. And all three of these backs have an A plus grade for me because, you know, where they're going at ADP, um, they're probably going to outproduce this even if the starting running back plays all 17 games. So they should be able to provide you low-end RB2 flex value any given week. But as Jake mentioned, they have top 10 upside whenever the starting running back misses time. Um, and this is a very fragile position. Running back usually sees the most missed games. So I, I consider three these three backs anti-fragile where you're essentially getting their upside, their built-in massive upside for free. So that's why I love targeting all three of these guys, if I get all three of these guys in a draft, I'm very happy because I think at times, you know, one of these guys will probably be producing, you know, low end RB1 value. So I just love stacking my roster with these guys with built in upside where, again, even if the running back ahead of them were to stay healthy, they'll still outperform it. I think that that's a great point and a great way to look at it, and especially, you know, because like I said this year, I think you do want to be aggressive with wide receiver. That's just mm -hmm. how the game is going. But especially this year, I think um, it, it would pay off to be aggressive in that, in that top 10 of wide receivers. I mean, if you can even get two of those guys in the top 10, I know Jake, you said you like to get two backs. Um, I don't actually mind getting two receivers. If I can get two in the top 10 mm -hmm. and, and taking a bunch of darts later. Cause I mean, you know, this tier last year, like, like you guys mentioned, guys that might not even make their respective teams this year. I mean, Mike Davis might not make the roster this year, you know, uh, Raheem Mostert. I mean, he will, cause the coach loves him, but yeah, I mean, you know, like these are all Miles Gaskin probably doesn't make the roster if, if Mostert does. So yeah, um, it, it is deep. Um, I, I do. I will say this as I've been kind of, you know, fiddling around with my, with my projections, mm -hmm. I think Dylan is the guy that really stands out to me because I, I kind of went back and, you know, you always got to kind of assume, you know, we talk about it, you can't really predict injuries. So you have right. to assume that Nick Chubb is going to play, you know, 14 to 16 games. You have to assume Aaron Jones is going to do the same. You have to assume Zeke is going to do the same. Now, when I, you know, when I project what that would be like, if those guys do, I actually have Hunt and Pollard pretty much ranking out where they um, are being taken. But AJ Dillon, I, I have him about, uh, five, six spots higher, uh, even with Aaron Jones healthy, because number one of the three, Dylan's the only one that was essentially splitting carries, like mm -hmm. with his partner from the jump. He's in an offense that just lost literally a third of its production. So it's going to shift from like a pass heavy offense where one guy scores a ton of touchdowns to an offense that should still be good because you still have a, an MVP level quarterback taking you up and down the field. You still have a great defense. But now you're, I just think they're going to be a lot more rushing opportunities. I think they're going to be a lot more rushing touchdowns. And I think this is the year where we're finally going to get our AJ doing touchdowns, not taking them away from Aaron Jones, 
But right. I just think there's like there's going to be a lot of touchdowns scored in Green Bay, and Devontae Adams ain't going to be scoring them, and neither are like Randall Cobb and all these you know Sammy Watkins. So like, I I, I Dylan is the queer um, mm-hmm. you know front runner of them. He is going a few spots higher um in ADP, but I think it's I just think that's rightfully so, and I, I would still take him there. And then like you said, he has that added upside of yes. Wow, if if, if Jones goes down, Ooh. Dylan's probably the top one of all of them anyway. So yep. uh, love me some Dylan. Hunt and Pollard, it's, it, I, I like them, but I think they're actually being taken, you know, pretty much where they should be mm-hmm. going, just based on the fact that we can't actually predict injury. Yeah, you know who else I would throw into this group? The you know the least sexy guy that I would include in this group is Melvin Gordon. Because <laughs> he offers the same, you know, he can sneak in RB3 flex value most weeks. And then he does have high-end RB2 upside if Javante were to miss time. But it, it looks like uh, mm-hmm. Melvin tweaked his ankle or foot something in practice today. So we'll have to see uh, what's up with that. So Javante Twitter might be going off today if it <laughs> turns to be serious, but I, I would say Gordon's a sneaky candidate for this, this group. That'd be I mean, a roller coaster. I would throw, uh, I would throw Khalil Herbert in this group as well. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely yeah. a cheaper version. Yeah. Hey, yeah, if, if we're going to do, if we're going to do the arbitrage, then Uh-oh, here we go. We have to keep with the theme yeah, of, of our podcast, it all leads back to a Detroit Lion. If if you if you like <laughs> Melvin Gordon, then we got to just get Jamal Williams in this conversation. Oh no, it, well, his it is like 12, 13 touches per game. Yeah, know, like I mean, like, I mean, we're talking like that. Oh yeah, I, no, I, I no, I normally I would agree, but they they just brought in Justin Jackson, so that might kill that part. Yeah, they, they right? just brought like, in Justin Jackson. He had no job until now. He, <laughs> and did you see? First of all, first of all, did you yeah. see Williams' speech on Hard Knocks? Okay, this guy is a oh, leader. Yeah. He's gonna get those leader carries like Adrian Peterson did that year. Like, you know, to, like it doesn't matter if he averages two point six yards per carry. Like he's leader gonna carries. be in there. Can we add that to our projection file? <laughs> leader carries. Yeah, I, I think and... we need a separate tab. Well, I'll, I'll create one after the uh, pod. But uh, no, I, I'm half joking. But I mean, that is kind of how you want to you know think about yeah. these things. Like you always want to find arbitrage opportunities um, for these different guys. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, Melvin Gordon, Jamal Williams, you know, Khalil Herbert, you know, these are guys that, um, you know, could potentially perform what you, uh, you know, people wasting much higher picks are, are looking for, um, Jake, the young guns, you know, we have another kind of, they're not exactly a tier cause they're a little more spread out, but I kind of want to talk about them together of the rookies. And I'm, I'm counting Travis Etienne as a rookie cause he, didn't actually play regular season snap <laughs> last year. Um, you have Brees Hall at RB22. You have ETN one spot later at RB23. Uh, you have Ken Walker the third at RB36. And you have James Cook at RB41. Um, and, and I know there's some more guys, but I'll, you know, we'll talk some, yes, some, some, we'll some longer them. shots. Yeah, <laughs> they'll save those. But of these four that are kind of going in that top 40, uh, who do you have as the best value relative to their average draft position? Yeah, so that's the key here is because Hall and Etienne for my rankings are both just a tick behind where I like I have them higher, but they're very close. James Cook, very close. So the biggest gap I actually have is Ken Walker. I do think Cook could be nice, but Cook needs Singletary to go down. He's going to be used in the passing game. You know, they think they don't want to use Singletary until late last year, which some people have speculated. There's been reports that have speculated that Dable was part of the reason that Singletary was never used as a bell cow, but whatever it might be, I just don't think you want to use Singletary as a bell cow. And that's why you draft James Cook. And that's why they flirted with McKissick. McKissick was on his way there and then changed his mind and returned. 
So I think James Cook is stepping. I think James Cook isn't a 20-touch guy either. But you're still killed in a backfield by what is Josh Allen, which what is the biggest part about Josh Allen is no, he's not running for a 1,000 yards like Lamar Jackson, but he is going to run half the time inside the 10, just like Cam Newton used to do his backfields, which Cam Newton had a valuable running back, but that's when he had a bell cow running back, which is what Devin Singletary was for some time. So I say all to say that's why I'm in on James Cook. But my value, my rankings isn't much higher than this. I think that was Sean brought up earlier about what would be my rankings if the lead guy was hurt. Yeah, Cook would be much higher. Brees Hall, I think, should be a little bit, but not much. So it's Ken Walker. And I know the offense, I talked about it earlier, probably could struggle. Whether it's Geno or Drew Locke, sounds like it's still Geno. It's probably not going to be a very high octane offense. It should be a bottom five. The offensive line isn't another question in this one. Rashad Penny looked great. I loved Rashad Penny. Everybody tweeted, Jake, it's finally happening for Rashad Penny. But you draft Ken Walker to be the lead complimentary piece. And I think this is a backfield that could be a true 50-50 if you look at what the Broncos did last year with their Javante Williams situation. The biggest concern I have and why he's the biggest, but only by default, is because I have Ken Walker as fringe top 30 uh, just because he should be the lead. But, you know, this isn't the Broncos situation where... I think Ken Walker could be first, second down, goal line, short yards, and maybe 20 targets. I think Rashad Penny could be the pass catching option with maybe 100 carries because if they both stay healthy, because Ken Walker's struggles in college at the passing game are legitimate. And I think that if you've already seen reports about it, yeah, he's made some plays, but there's been a lot too where just like in college, he turned around the wrong way. He dropped the pass that was like so. It's Ken Walker, but it's by default. Sorry, Barkley's Bart. The good old Barkley. Getting excited at the end of the show. Somebody's leaving to deliver here, but it's Ken Walker by default. All of them are not that far off from where, my, where I have them ranked. Yeah, uh, Sean, talk to me about uh, you know these, these four young gunners, Paul, ETN, Walker, and Cook. Who do you like as the best value? I think the best value has got to be James Cook just because he's going later. Um, but I have no problem taking Brees Hall, RB22. He was my favorite rookie from this class. I didn't like the the landing spot. Like the Jets was not ideal. Um, the offensive line could be a problem. And plus we have to remember this is the coaching staff is from the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. So who knows how they're going to handle this backfield. But I think he certainly deserves to be a workhorse back this year. So I do like him at RB22. I think ETN has a better situation on the Jags, especially it seems like James Robinson won't be healthy to begin the season or really at all. I mean, he's he's coming back from Achilles injury and we know that's devastating for a back so i think etn will be closer to workhorse back than i think people realize and being a pass catching specialist is good when you're on the jaguars because there's going to be plenty of trailing game scripts so i don't mind etn at 23 either ken walker at rb 36 i want nothing to do with uh, his value will depend on rashad penny's health but when penny is healthy they're going to be splitting early down work walker really doesn't have you know pass catching pass blocking skills or pass catching skills so it's gonna be tough for him to find value in this dreadful seattle offense this year <laughs> and then cook yeah he probably doesn't have league winning upside that we like to target but in ppr formats he can certainly provide rb3 flex value when devin singletary's in there obviously they want a pass catching back so i think he's sneaky and that he'll probably provide a you know a higher floor than these backs so g- getting him outside of the top 40 i think uh is probably the best value of the rookies I love me some cook uh, as a player, but I, 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 I'm actually with Jake. I, I do think that he's going to be a lot more like JD McKissick than people yeah. realize. <laughs> yeah. um, so like that, like that, that's something that like, I, I, there I don't is know some value to that though, right? There is I mean, some value to that, but I mean, 
I'm looking for a guy that, you know, can kind of get those, you know, 20 touches and, and do essentially, you know, what a guy like Rashad Penny did down the stretch last year. Um, I, I think Brees Hall is probably the one I'm most comfortable with because like, you know, yes, he's going to start out as like the one, a to Carter's one B, but uh, you know, if Carter goes down or just Hall plays well, I could see that turning into a situation where, you know, Hall, you know, does kind of approach those 20 touches per game. He was my favorite back coming out as well. Um, I, I think ETN, I'm a little bit, I, I like the player, um, but I'm hearing some weird stuff out of Jags camp, man. Like I'm hearing that James Robinson might be the passing down back and that ETN might be used more as a runner because he was great at that. Oh, and, great. Yeah. And like also James <laughs> Robinson is actually practicing and, 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 and taking, he took his first, yeah. first team reps the other day. So like we're not out of the woods with this whole ETN Robinson split just yet um, either. Walker, it, to me, I like where he's going because, like, again, like, yes, you can't predict injuries, but Rashad Penny, I mean, this guy has missed almost half of his games through four years, and it seems just like when you have a Seahawks back, like, Pete Cow gets you all fired up to run the ball, and then you go out and break yourself. So, like, it happened to Chris Carson. It seems to happen to Penny every year. So, like, I'll take the cheaper Seahawks back. I, I like Kenneth Walker uh, in the rookie of the year market too, just because mm. like if Penny just does what he does and, and gets hurt at some point, like they're still going to run the ball. You know, they, they still have two receivers on the outside, at least that can keep the defense honest, even though it, it shouldn't be a, a, a great offense. So um, I, I think Hall is the one I'm most comfortable with. Love Cook is a player, but uh, I think he's the more of a PPR guy. And then yeah. Walker, I think could get you, you know, from RB 36 to like RB 15, you know, on the very real possibility um, that Penny goes down but uh we'll, we'll close the show out with with this uh favorite backs going outside the top 40 at adp jake go yeah so that's uh, we're glad we didn't touch on that here because if we did top young rookie slash etn values i want the other three we didn't talk about i want mm-hmm. damian pierce isaiah spiller and tyler algier i think algier could be the lead uh it should be i know they listed him like eighth on depth chart or something <laughs> yeah, like that so but I, I compared him a little bit to a former Falcon and Tevin Coleman, not ideally one-to-one, but you just want him running between the tackles, taking on the hits. He loves to take on hits, just run through. He's like discount Damian Pierce, who's discount Derrick Henry. Uh, I think Damian Pierce has some passing game upside, but another just lead running back. I think Marlon Mack has been overinflated by the fantasy community, in my opinion. I think he's a replaceable running back. He's good. I just don't think he's great. And not that I think Damian Pierce is great, but I think he has more explosiveness than Marlon Mack at this point. If that's a full-blown committee, sure, but you're not paying a price where you have to worry about it because you just mentioned outside the top 40. And then Isaiah Spiller. Now, one, this is coming from somebody that was higher than most people in the draft process on Isaiah Spiller. So if you disagree on the process of Spiller, but for years, what have we seen the Chargers trying to do? Find a complimentary take some share off of Austin Eckler and they tried it with Jackson. As you mentioned, who's now with Detroit, they tried it with Joshua Kelly. They tried it with Larry Roundtree. They finally found their answer and they found their answer who I think that you can put Isaiah Spiller into the conversation with AJ Dillon and hunt, not in that tier as in the next group of tiers of maybe like a Herbert and a Melvin Gordon and stuff like that, where if anything were to happen to Austin Eckler, which has happened in the past, Holy crap, Isaiah Spiller on that offense. So the other three rookies that we didn't talk about, and then, of course, Rashad White, we talked at the top of the show. But here's Spiller and Algier. I, I'm a big fan getting a lot of them in the double-digit rounds. Yeah, so w- once we get outside the top 40, their end-of-season value really comes down to the health of the starting running back. 
on the team. So that's why I like to do my uh, upside rankings chart where I grade guys, you know, and I like to place guys in different groupings. Um, and Alexander Madison is the first guy, like he typically goes around the RB 40 range. Um, and he is the definition of a high upside backup bench stash where he's not going to provide you value as long as Dalvin cook is healthy, but once, or if Dalvin cook misses time, I mean, he offers low end RB one value and we've, known that for years now so you can usually get a couple games from him every year so i love you know just drafting madison as a bench stash um and the other guy i mentioned earlier uh is kenneth gainwell um i kind of like getting these high floor ppr kind of backs like a naheem hines jd mckissick but gainwell has a unique opportunity where he can like actually leapfrog miles sanders or at least eat into his workload more than we think uh you know it seems like he's going to be you know, the pass down back, which makes sense, but he could see goal line carries um, and his role could expand. So he could offer, you know, high floor and ceiling combo. So I like where he's going. And the last one is you're going to hate me for this. It's Mark Ingram, (laughs) just because he has the clearest path to potentially offering RB three flex value. We don't know if, or when Alvin Kamara will get suspended, but that's a clear path to, you know, potentially six games of starter value. So well, you know, he's 32. He's probably not going to offer high-end, you know, RB2 value. And he has some competition in that backfield. You know, he's one of those guys in this range where you can't really say that about any other back. So I like his clear path to six games of value with Kamara's potential suspension. Yeah, uh, you know, like all those guys, um, Pierce has been kind of sneaking up the, the ADP. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't love that he's, he's going so high. Um, Algier, I think might, like, he he's got a shot because that, that backfield is wide open. They only want to give Patterson, you know, maybe even less work than last year. Um, but Avery Williams is playing well, which, which does complicate things. And I know they have a plan for Williams, um, but, but I've been taking some Algier as well. Um, you know, like love what you said about game. Well, Sean, he's kind of staring at me in some best ball drafts and I'm like, should I take the plunge? But I, I've definitely <laughs> taken him. Like I, I'm thinking the same thing. Like, you know, he could have a few weeks where he's just, you know, that top guy uh, for me. Um, I'll go a little bit more off the map. Well, first is a guy I already mentioned, J- Jamal Williams. I mean, for, he's still a guy who could get double digit touches just without anything, you know, changing. And this is a top three offensive line. This is offense should be much better. Uh, they should have, you know, touchdown opportunities. So I, I think, you know, don't forget about him. It won't be sexy, but um, you know, I, I do like him. I, I'm not worried about Justin Jackson. I think, you know, J- Jamal Williams is always going to be the number two, but they, you know, Craig Reynolds, that's who I think is, is going to be challenged by Jackson, if at all. Um, but some other guys. Uh, I, I like Eno Benjamin. Eno, Eno Benjamin, from all reports, uh, is kind of running away with that number two running back job. You know, we talked about Connor and the fragility, but how valuable this role could be uh, in, in this Arizona offense anyway. So uh, I think Eno is an interesting guy who may even just work himself into the Chase Edmonds role, you know, full, mm-hmm. you know, full stop, at which we know, you know, that was, you know, usually top 30, top 35 value. Um, sometimes better than that. So uh, he's free. Uh, I think you take take him um, as a dart throw. Uh, I also I do like um, Daryl Henderson because I do think that the Rams will run a lot more. I think it's a great offense, and I, I do think that um, you know there could be uh, some room on, in this offense this year um, for for Henderson to kind of mix in uh, more than we've seen. And I think you know if Cam Akers you know goes down, I think Henderson at least for the short term. Uh, will be a, a guy that, that that actually does hit that 20-touch mark. I don't think they do it long-term, but uh, I do like his upside there. Naeem Hines, they've been talking all offseason about getting him more touches. He keeps alternating between years of, like, 
50 less touches than the year before. So this is an up year for him. Frank Reich <laughs> seems to know it. Um, but like, I, you know, Naeem has remember like a couple years ago when they were using him, he was like, oh my God, like this guy's, he was scoring touchdowns. Like he was doing all kinds of things. I mean, maybe he even, you know, eats into to, to Taylor, not like on purpose, like, oh, they're going to sub Taylor <laughs> out for him. But maybe, you know, Hines just happens to be in the game on a passing down and, and, and they score and it's Hines that scores. So I like that, you know, anytime you can kind of, hit the number one player in the game and, and, and you know, get be anti-fragile with that. I like it. Ty Davis price, another guy. Um, you always take the cheapest Niner back at, they drafted him on, on day two. Wouldn't that at, be Trey Sermon this year though? No, no, he, <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> so, if you follow the logic, the past four seasons, yeah. Trey Sermon actually I fits. I don't want, I don't want running back Dante Pettis. No, thanks. <laughs> this is old. Like where's Justin Forsett when we need him when it's for the Ravens? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I do one more guy, you know, rookie. Cause again, it's, very profitable just historically to target rookie running backs. Like you don't always know which one will hit. So depending what kind of league format you're in, you could just kind of stash these guys on your bench. Um, I do think Robin, Brian Robinson is still worthwhile. Um, not that I think he's going to get like goal line carries right off the bat, but uh, Antonio Gibson got 300 touches last year. He did like lose efficiency. So I do think they'll, they'll work Robinson in a, a little more than most rookies. And uh, you know, Robinson, you know, McKissick would be the only other guy there. He's, kind of a certain type of back. So uh, Robinson does have some upside as well. Um, if Gibson goes down, he's a lot cheaper than paying for, you know, what could be a shaky offense, you know, mm-hmm. at RB20. So, uh, you know, just again, I think the moral of the story is, uh, you know, target these rookies uh, and target guys that are kind of locked into to some some guaranteed touches, uh, you know, once you get outside that top 40. But um, this was a great, you know, at, really packed pod. But Jake, I know you got, you know, I know you got a, uh, a fiance to get back to now. So uh, let you get out of here. Just uh, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, it was great. Um, tell everybody yeah. where you're at uh, and what you're up to. Uh, I'm at cloud nine fiance. No, just, so over, <laughs> over at the athletic, uh, I tweet everything out at all in kids, the easiest way, but uh, the rankings projections over there, customizable projections, which if you say, Hey, I just listened to this entire podcast and Jake's an idiot. I'm going to go change his projections. It auto sorts and redoes the all everything for you. So you just download that. But in the middle of a series of guys similar to Sean, but in a different way. I really like that Sean does that, and I didn't want to steal that from him, so I've never <laughs> done rankings that way. But I do an article every single year that's very, it's in the same vein. It's guys who could be ones, and then this is how, and the likelihood of them becoming ones. Not all of them involve injuries, so I think that's really good. I love that Sean does that, so it's a similar style to that. And then my favorite, favorite one next week, last year's trash. The guys that burned you that nobody ever wants to go back to, but you should. Thanks so much, Jake. I really appreciate it. You guys can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore oddsmaker. You can find me at Chris Raybon. And you can find us at those same handles in the free award-winning Action Network app. Be sure to check out actionnetwork.com for our rankings and projections. And uh, we'll be back next week with uh, some more episodes. Keep it going. Uh, Until next time, let's get this money. 